0: Thank you, um, uh, thank you, Judy, for that presentation. Um, we also want to let the church know that uh, if there are any of you here in, in need, uh, we know that we don't have you know we don't have a uh, food drive here. But uh, if you are in need, um, you know you can go on over to Chelton Church um, to their pickup line and pick up. Uh, you know, groceries or produce, or just things that you might need. So it's available. Uh, we're we're not just partners uh, giving to it, but if you are, are also in need, um, you can go to the church to pick up. So uh, we encourage you to to uh, get involved in that way. Uh, let's uh, now turn our attention to uh, James chapter three. We'll be reading the entire chapter, and we'll uh, go down to chapter four verse one. So please all rise as we read James three together. This is how it reads. Uh, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. With it, we bless our Lord and the Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Finally, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you. This is the reading of God's holy word. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Teach us, Lord, full obedience, holy reverence, true humility. Test our thoughts and our attitudes in the radiance of your purity cause our faith to rise cause our eyes to see your majestic love and authority words of power that can never let their truth prevail over unbelief.
1: Father in heaven, we thank you that you have given us your word in such a way that it was made flesh, and by your spirit you guide us and lead us even now. We ask, Lord, that you would hold captive our ears and our hearts, that we may give you our lips. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We continue in our series in the book of James, and as we do so, today we're focusing on the topic of taming the tongue. It's a very difficult task. In fact, James says it's almost impossible for anyone to be perfect in it. Some of you guys know, growing up, there's a common saying that we teach children, it was taught to us. It goes like sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. We don't teach that to our kids anymore, do we? (laughs) Because many of us know, although there is truth in it, that words indeed can hurt us. That sticks and bones may break my bones, but words will put me in counseling for a couple years. A dark joke. Thanks for laughing. You guys are a dark group, I realize. I've been here for years, but now I'm starting to scratch the surface of what, what tickles your fancy. But this is true. Words can be deeply hurtful, Words can be deeply encouraging, and words can go so far for years and years and years. And again, in our text, James addresses the power of the tongue, the danger of the tongue, and the need for us to tame our tongues. He begins in the text with giving a warning to those who seek authority or rank or some kind of glory by occupying the position of a teacher, and he says, he says this, not many of you should be teachers because there'll be greater judgment for the things that we say. It's more difficult for those in those positions. And it's difficult because every human being struggles with taming their tongue. But he's not only speaking to those who want to be teachers or leaders in the church. He opens up his discourse to everyone. In fact, if you look in verse 2, this is what he says, For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. So one thing I want to make very clear as we move forward is this. James is not saying that we shouldn't stumble. In fact, James is saying that we all stumble in taming our tongues, that we all fall short. Teachers, students, congregants, pastors, children, adults, mom and dads, we all struggle with this. This is a common struggle. And so in that, we are seeking a common answer in Christ. If indeed the tongue is dangerous, and if indeed the tongue is powerful, how are we to use it as Christians? That's the main question James addresses for us today. So we'll look at three very simple points, the power of the tongue, the danger of the tongue, and lastly, the way of wisdom. Now let me ask you, as we look at the power of the tongue, have you ever been hurt by someone's words? Yes. Have you ever hurt anyone else by your words? Yes. All of us know what it's like to be on either side of that. It happens during tense disagreements or arguments, doesn't it, between friends, siblings, spouses, children. As human beings, as we interact with coworkers, our tongue can do a lot of damage. Spouses, you know the moment when you're arguing with your spouse and that, that tension, that heat, the pressure, and there's that little voice that, after all these years, you still don't understand me. And you know, as soon as you think it and you're about to say it and you know it's going to cut right through your spouse, you say it and as the words are leaving your mouth, you almost regret it. How many of us spouses have sarcastically said as we pass by our spouse, must be nice. (laughs) Must be nice? Wife says, what must be nice? You got two options here, gentlemen, right? You say, I'm just kidding, honey. or You say... I said, it must be nice. (laughs) And you sleep on the couch for a few weeks. Our tongues can do a lot of damage as we interact with our loved ones. Parents, how many times have we stayed up in the stillness of the night after our children have finally gone to bed and we start to replay the words that we've said to them out of our frustration, lack of patience and tiredness, and at some points feel so guilty, Just you almost want to go wake them up and say, hey, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for Daddy. I'm sorry for what Daddy said. I shouldn't have said it that way. Similarly, how often do we feel the same way as we're interacting with our aging parents who are trying to figure out YouTube? We're trying to figure out their smart TVs. We're trying to figure out what these credit card bills, medical bills, and all this junk mail means. How many of us sit in that moment knowing that our parents, in many ways, are so ashamed to even ask us for help. They're, they're a little ashamed of even being dependent on us, but in that moment when we're, when we're so frustrated, we say, Dad, how do you not know this? Mom, why, why would you do that? And the small amount of dignity that they have, we can take it all at once with one irritated response. Friends, how many of us have gossiped about one another, spoken judgment over each other, either in a time where we're just scrolling through one another's social media or when we vent to another friend. Uh Uh-oh, church, how easy is it to speak ill of the leadership? Very easy. Who said that? It's very easy. We're not perfect. We're sinful men. It's so easy to question the decisions, to dissect every word, and to dishonor better yet, church leaders, officers of the church, those who serve. How easy is it for us to do the same to the church members who are reaching out or crying out? So so easy for us to question their motives, dissect their approach, and dismiss them as simple rabble-rousers. You know, they say that trust is something earned drop by drop, but it's lost by the buckets. It's because oftentimes it only takes a small act of our tongue to destroy someone. This is what James is getting at this morning. Although the tongue is such a small part of the body, it can be used to cause great damage. And James gives us a few examples here, doesn't he? He almost gives us the illustrations. He likens the tongue and the body to this, a horse. A horse, a large animal, strong animal, yet it can be bridled and guided by a small bit in its mouth to obey, to be steered saying the tongue is like that. It's small, but it can steer our whole bodies. It can steer the course of our lives. Ships. He says, look how large these vessels are. Look how strong they are and able to harness the wind and travel the seas. Yet, it only takes a small rudder to steer it across all the seas. And then he goes into a very specific illustration here. Look at the forest fires, a blazing uncontrollable consuming fire that can cause so much devastation and destruction is often started by a small flame that grows and grows and grows so in verse 5 through 6 look up there with me it says so also the tongue is a small member yet it boasts of great things it boasts of great things and how great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire and the tongue is a fire the world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. His final illustration here about the fire likens the tongue like this small fire that can change and take control of the course of our life. He draws on this illusion to show that the fires of hell have its reach on earth often through the usage of our tongues that can set afire the entire course of our lives. You know, oftentimes when we see in movies, when we think about the devil and Satan and temptations, we think it comes in dark, cloudy, creepy ways. And sometimes it might, but here we're told that it can also come in subtle ways, by slip of the tongue, by the way we say things to one another, by the way... We use this small part of our body. It can steer not only our own bodies, but the bodies around us. This is why James says it's dangerous and it needs taming. So we arrive at our second point today. Moving fast, right? You guys like that? Second point, the danger of the tongue. Again, we have to remember that the book of James isn't simply trying to teach us theology about the Christian religion. Nor is it simply just telling us the good things to do, as if behavior changes is what makes a Christian. No, what James does is he takes these theological truths, he takes the way we ought to live them out, and he puts them together, and he gives it to us, and he calls it wisdom. And he says, brothers and sisters, do you want to know what it means to be a Christian, what it means to take what we know and live it out? Well, that requires wisdom. He wants us to put this into practice. And as a reminder, if we go in chapter 1, verse 26, recall what he says in his introduction here. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. James is reminding us we can come and sit down here dressed well on Sunday mornings. We can enter our community groups. We can buy the canned tuna at the grocery store and donate it. But if we do not tame our tongues, if we do not come and desire to tame it as a dangerous thing that can be used by the enemy, then our religion is worthless. We're just doing good stuff. James knows the reality of sin and how it can cause us to live in this dualistic style of life he knows that it is very easy for us to sing songs of praise how great is our god and to say i hate that guy all at the same time james no, it's so easy that when we are church we can speak the christian lingo christianese we call it right hey brother how you doing yes press on praise the lord hallelujah ptl Mmm, yes, I need to hear that. And then the world be like, son of a dot, 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 beep, blah, bloop, blah. And we just let our tongues loose out of control, venting, irritated. James knows it's so easy for us, all of us, to loose our tongues and have it go rampant and have these categories of this is when I'm going to talk like a Christian and this is when I'm just going to be whatever I want to be. The tongue is dangerous. The tongue is what causes true division. You know, the, the, the subtlety of reality is often missed by what seems far too obvious. And this is what I mean. If we recall in the introduction of James, who is James writing this letter to? He's writing it to the 12 tribes in the dispersion. The 12 tribes, all the people of God who are separated, who are suffering, who are scattered, and who are stagnant in many ways in their faith. And so we might think, and the people receiving this letter for the first time might think, that the greatest danger to the Christian body of believers, to the church, is dispersion. It's being scattered. It's being stagnant in our faith. It's sufferings from the outside. But James, by a way of wisdom, subtly starts bringing to the foreground something that we need to realize, that the reality of the situation is not simply the pandemic, it's not simply politics, it's not preferences of worship that we struggle with as Christians. James is putting to the forefront that the most dangerous thing to the church, to the body of Christ, is not these external sources and separation and dispersion, but it's actually within. It's part of the member of our own bodies. It's our tongues. It's what we do with this, James says. That can be the greatest threat. That can be the biggest cause of division and separation. There's so much wisdom there. We think the obvious thing is, oh, we're going through a tough time. Life is hard right now. Gas prices are high. You know, I went to Costco the other day. I got one case of diapers, and I put in three-fourths of gas, and it cost me over $100. That's the issue, guys. That's what we're struggling with. That's the problem with the church, right? No. No. The problem, the difficulty, the straining, and the tension is not with these external things that are going on, but it's the internal things that rage within us and that come out by the use sometimes in dangerous ways of our tongue. So James is reminding us the tongue is powerful. The tongue is dangerous. Look in verse 9 through 10. With it we bless our Lord and Father and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. God From the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. He says, my brothers, these things ought not to be so. A few verses above, 7 through 8, this is what he says. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. James is pointing out two important things here, right? In the beginning, he asserted that, you know what? Everyone struggles with this. All of us need to learn how to tame our tongue in a godly way. But then he asserts two important things here in that almost impossible scenario. Even though all of us struggle, even though all of us stumble in taming our tongues, he says these two things, this is is not the way it should be, And no human being can do it. Those are two things he asserts. You know, before we get on to the last point, I I, I did something on my Gmail a while back. And I wish I could do it to to, to what's happening here. And and Pastor Stephen has made fun of me because sometimes when we're in the same room and I have to forward him an email, it takes 30 seconds. He's like, Did you send it? I sent it. Did you send it? I sent it. Do you see it? I don't see it. Did you send it? I sent it. I go, Oh, hey. Just wait 30 seconds. Why? I put a 30-second delay on my email responses, all of them. So every time I click send, except my phone, I can't figure it out. If anyone knows, you can tell me later. I I click send, and then on the bottom left, it says view message, undo. And the reason I did that, not because I'm I'm crazy and angry and I always let off crazy emails, but there used to be so many mistakes and grammatical mistakes. When I first started pastoring, I realized there, was, there needed to be a level of professionalism. It was embarrassing. I was misspelling stuff. I was doing it like I'm almost texting. And so I just put a delay on it in case I make a mistake. But how many of us, how nice would it be if we had a 30-second delay in the things that we thought we're about to say? It must be nice. What? Undo, 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 undo. No, I'm just kidding. Nothing, honey. <laughs> so if it's that hard, if all of us struggle if it's, if, it's, if it's something that's almost impossible for us to find a solution for, what is the way of wisdom? That's the third point. Again, James says, this is not the way it should be. And he also says, no human being can tame the tongue. So what hope do we have when we need wisdom from above? James 3.13, I love the way he starts to pivot here now with a question. Who is wise and understanding among you? Right After reading all throughout chapter 3, all of a sudden, you're probably feeling like, okay, then this is, this is impossible, James. What are we supposed to do? What's the answer? And James starts to pivot, and before he gives us the solution, he asks this question almost to perk up our ears, and he says, Who is wise in understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. Brothers and sisters, I, I bet most of us feel pretty crummy right now. Many of us are sitting under the weight of our past words to our children, our spouses, our parents, our friends. But James continues, and the Lord speaks a better word over us. It's wisdom that can tame the tongue. So if you desire wisdom and understanding, the first thing we have to know is that the way of wisdom is meekness. In comparison to the culture that often equates wisdom with simply knowledge and meekness with weakness, James shows us that wisdom is actually greater and meekness is actually better. Simply put, as a commentator notes, wisdom is not merely intellectual but also behavioral. James is concerned with how we live out what we know and how we use our tongue, an instrument that is both powerful and dangerous. But before we get to the solution, let me pause real quick, and I want to highlight something here, because I think there is a distinction. Some of us have varying personalities. Some of us speak in very different ways. It doesn't necessarily mean it's sinful or more godly. What do I mean? Some of us are are more humorous, and we speak very colorfully. Some of us are more blunt and to the point. Some of us speak very plainly. Some of us are very reserved. And no one's personality or style of speech is more biblical, but James points to the tongue needing to be tamed, and the source of that being the heart, right? Oftentimes, men, we poke fun of each other, we take shots, and more likely than not, it breaks the ice, ha-ha, <laughs> cracks us up, and it allows us to get closer. But sometimes we know we cross the line, whether they're not in a place to receive it or we've gone a step too far, we know there comes a time when we've said something, even in joking, we got to say, hey, man, I'm, I'm not in the mood, or hey, that really offended me. And we have to say, hey, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do that. It's okay to be funny. It's okay to be happy. It's okay to be colorful. But there are times when we cross the line, we have to bring it back. We also know there are times that some of us, we're just, we just speak plainly. Hey, this is the way it is. And that's not simply more godly because it's straight to the point. Sometimes people can also be offended by that. It can lack empathy. It can lack a care that we need. And if that's the case and that's your normal voice, in that too, we need to walk it back and say, hey, I I apologize. I didn't mean to come directly at you that way. I didn't mean to be insensitive. There are goods and bads of the personalities and the way we speak there are things to be redeemed there are things to be learned so i don't want us to go in here thinking okay whatever this means all of us has to conform to this christian voice or this tone or this personality that's not true in all the different individual ways and in all the beautiful unique ways that the lord has granted us to speak to interact he tells us that the point is the heart that wisdom and meekness is not just a tone or a cadence but it's a posture before God and before one another. So the point is, where is our heart? If we know that, we know that there is some hope to tame the tongue. So as James continues, well, before we get to James, I'll say even Matthew affirms this, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So James gives us two ways here, and he shows us this wisdom here. First, he says this, if your heart is full of bitter jealousy and selfish ambition, and I'll add to this self-righteousness, it will express itself in boasting and falsehood. The source of this is ultimately from the devil as he seeks to tame our tongue for himself and for his cause. This will lead to disorder vile practice. So James is saying this. If we check our hearts, if we just put a 30-second delay and just check our hearts in those tense moments or in those moments when we're about to speak and we know right there that something, hold on, my tongue is powerful, my tongue can be dangerous, I need to pause for a second. And he says, if in your heart you indeed find that it's filled with bitter jealousy... And all of us, we've experienced that. Sometimes it's, it's in a simple moment of sitting to the toilet and scrolling through Instagram, right? Selfish ambition. It will express itself in boasting, in building our own selves up, and it'll express itself by falsehood, by us coloring things differently, of us saying things in a different perspective, which is not true. And we have to know in those moments When we find ourselves filled with jealousy or bitterness or selfish ambition or self-righteousness, if we find ourselves propping ourselves up or looking to build ourselves up in such a way where we're not quite grasping at the whole truth, then he's saying be careful that this is the devil who seeks to tame and use your tongue for his cause. And this will always lead to a disorder, a division, and he says every vile practice. How many churches have split because leaders of the church, because members of the church have used their tongue in such a way. The truth is that none of us want to admit, yeah, I'm filled with bitter jealousy, selfish ambition. Our words are often of boasting and falsehood. None of us like to admit it, and I'll be the first. Yeah, as, as... As shameful as it may be, even even as I sit in my royal throne in the bathroom, scroll through social media, look at what everyone is doing, there is sometimes a bit of jealousy and selfish ambition and desire of wanting to do it. But James is saying that this heart, this heart is not the heart that is filled with meekness and godliness. This heart will lead to disorder in our lives then what is the second way? What is the true way of wisdom? James says, if your heart is impartial, right, we heard about this last week, if it shows no partiality, if it is sincere, then it will express itself in purity, peaceableness, and gentleness. It will be open to reason, full of mercy and good fruit. That sounds good to me. Who doesn't want that? Who doesn't want a sense of purity in their lives, a peaceableness, a gentleness? Who doesn't want to engage with someone who's open to reason, full of mercy and good fruit? James is saying, because the tongue is powerful, because the tongue is dangerous, we have to, we have to tame it in a godly way to check our hearts. We all know, as we sit here in church, that the solution and the answer is always Christ. But what does that practically mean here for us? I want us to look at Ephesians 4 as we conclude here. This is what the Apostle Paul writes to the church in Ephesus. And in this section, he's addressing distinctives of a Christian, of, an, of someone who is a believer, who has a new life in Christ. Right? And, he's, and he's drawing out, as, like James does, this way of wisdom. Say, Christians, we ought to live like this, and here's why. So look with me here real quick. He says, let no corrupt, corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice be kind to one another tender hearted forgiving one another as god in christ forgave you as christians our tongues can only be tamed as we look to the cross of christ even there as he hung even as people scoffed him and mocked him and jeered at him he said father forgive them for what for they do not know what they do and as we looked at the cross, I was reminded of a song, How Deep the Father's Love. We sing it often here. It says, Behold the man upon a cross, my sin upon his shoulder. Ashamed, I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers. It was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. His dying breath has bought me life. I know that it is finished. Friends, the reality is our tongues are powerful, it is dangerous, and if we don't seek to tame it through Christ, if we don't seek to tame it by the Holy Spirit, if we don't seem to continue to check our hearts and realize we are often the offender, yet we have received forgiveness from God, we will always judge, we will always be filled with bitterness and jealousy but if we know in all that vileness that we have in our hearts and all that thing all those things that we spew out of our own lips that God has forgiven us in Christ in that grace the turning point has to be for us to see one another through that lens as well that they are also sinners who are forgiven by God through Christ the taming of our tongues through the power of Christ will happen slowly but surely. It's such a simple thing, isn't it, for Christians? Watch what we say. Tame our tongues, but it's a difficult one. But as we continue to look at the cross, as we continue to do that uncomfortable hard work, as our sister Judy said, to see our own pride, our own sin, as we do the humbling and meek work of taming our tongues before God our Father, we will continue to grow. Because this is not the way it should be, as James says. And although no human being can tame the tongue, we know the Lord can. The reality is, as we close, that we will continue to offend one another. And this is the hard thing here. Because right now we live in a day and age where you can just go to the church down the street. And one thing that often we find as pastors or leaders of the church, and I'm sure you've experienced too, when you talk with people who leave the church, again, it's never really because of the pandemic, politics, or preferences. More often than not, it's because they were hurt by some, someone by what they said. And so I think the difficult task of practice here this morning for us is if we've been hurt, if you have hurt someone, to forgive, to seek peace. What does he say here? And the harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. James says there's a harvest, there's a plentifulness of righteousness that is there when we seek peace with one another. So I'll leave you with two verses here. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. And Romans 15.5 May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we confess that oftentimes with the very same lips that we give you honor and glory and praise, that we also tear down, destroy, and break the hearts of our fellow brothers and sisters around us. We confess, Lord, we ourselves cannot tame our own tongues. We confess, Lord, that you are the only one that can take captive our hearts and our thoughts, that you are the only one, Lord, that can guide and steer like a rudder, like a bit, this mouth, these lips, so that you may use it to speak the beautiful good news of Jesus Christ, so that you can use it to speak truth and love full of grace. We pray, Lord, that you would make us ones who desire and seek peace, that you would fill our hearts with the content of Christ that we would desire to use our tongues in a way that will be glorifying to you, that we would build the kingdom, make disciples, so that your glory would be seen and heard from our lips. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.